Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 617 for the 14th of Av in a regular year. Today, we're going to talk about the vagus nerve. What is the vagus nerve, you might ask? Well, so there are actually 12 cranial nerves in the body that come in pairs, and they help link the brain with other parts of the body. Some of these cranial nerves serve a sensory purpose, whereby uh, they send details of sensation that we're experiencing in the world into the brain. These are what are known as afferent neurons that they go, it's like a bottom up kind of thing from the, the senses that we're experiencing in uh, in our body up into the brain. And then we have some cranial nerves that serve a more motor focus. They focus more on movement, on causing us to move. These have to do, these are what are, what are called efferent neurons. They, they carry uh, motor information from the brain into the muscles and the glands of the body in order to initiate different kinds of actions that we do. And some of these cranial nerves actually serve both functions. The vagus nerve, which is our star today, serves both. And the vagus nerve is actually the longest of all the nerves. It's in Latin, the word vagus actually means wandering nerve because it is this very long nerve. And it's responsible for so many different things in our body, whether we're talking about digestion, respiration, heart rate, cardiovascular activity. There's so many things that the vagus nerve is responsible for. Uh, and there's actually also different parts of the vagus nerve that, that this is this is a whole study. And it's something that it's a topic actually that I have been doing quite a bit of research about uh, in the past little while. And it's fascinating to see uh, what uh, what is involved in the vagus nerve and what um, and what a crucial role it plays in both our physical and our mental and emotional health. One of the more popular aspects of the vagus nerve and what it's become well more well known for in the past little while is it's linked to the parasympathetic system uh, that aspect of the of the nervous system that we have that actually helps us become calm and relaxed and it's sort of like the counterpart part to the sympathetic nervous system that's known as our more fight or flight type of nervous system that when we go into a state of fear or activation, we're in a dangerous situation, the sympathetic nervous system gets aroused. And sometimes people have trouble, especially in our society where there's a lot of loud noises and um, activity and busyness and all that stuff to go from a sympathetic state to a parasympathetic state, which is this more relaxed, 
calm kind of place where our heartbeat gets lower, our respiration gets slower and all of that. And it's been shown that by stimulating the vagus nerve, this can actually help us get into this more parasympathetic state, get into this more relaxed state, which is why the vagus nerve has become so popular in the past little while, because we're all looking for that calmness, that relaxation, right? That de-stressing. So the question becomes, how then do we access the vagus nerve? How do we stimulate the vagus nerve? And there are actually a lot of different ways that you can do this. There are different exercises that can be done, different breathing techniques. Even the food that we eat can play a role in this. There's actually a huge link between the vagus nerve and gut health. And gut health is very much connected to our mental state of mind, the mind-gut connection. This is something that's being further and further explored all the time nowadays. Um, But one way that's really interesting that we can actually access the vagus nerve is through music, listening to music, and even more so singing, actually, because the vagus nerve is very uh, close to the ear. So that's where listening to music would come in. Um, But it's also actually very um, much connected to the the larynx, which is the voice box. So, So when we sing, and it's actually a lot more connected there. So when we sing, um, and especially often people say when, when you hum, like when you make this sound of, mm, that's actually a really good way to activate the vagus nerve. So when in learning about all this stuff and really thinking about it, something that came to mind for me, it, which is what's going to kind of lead us into today's Tanya, is Nagunim, Hasidic Nagunim, and thinking about Fabrengans, where people, those of you that aren't familiar, Fabrengans were these gatherings where, um, you know, people can have these gatherings nowadays as well, but most famously, these were these gatherings where Hasidim would go and uh, participate together with the Rebbe, and throughout the generations, Hasidim would gather together with the Rebbe, and the Rebbe would give different talks then, and everybody would gather, but one of the biggest components of these Fabrengans is they would actually sing Nigunim, Hasidic melodies, and a lot of these Hasidic melodies don't actually have words, or they have some words, but there's a lot of like ayayays kind of sounding sounds to them, so it's a a lot of like maybe not humming per se but it's a lot of vocal movements going on and it's this collective movement so that we're stimulating both the ear through listening to the music but at the same time since there is this group participation uh, everybody is encouraged to participate in the singing so this is interesting because when people think about a Fabrengan and think about singing in Nagunam and Nagunam have known to have a kind of healing quality to them, then this can actually give us a sense of why this might be on a very strong physiological level. Clearly stated, when we uh, sing Nagunim, when we listen to Nagunim, we're activating our vagus nerve, which is going to have a calming effect on the nervous system. So that's pretty amazing, right? At the same time, I don't want to minimize Nagunim as being just like, you know, this physiological thing, just like a song, like everything else. Because if that was the case, then we can just say, okay, so go to a Fabrengan and hum anything. We could hum Mozart. We could sing a pop tune. We could sing whatever it is. But obviously, we don't want to do that. And we actually want to uh, sing the specific Nagunim. And that's because aside from just the physiological aspect of these Nagunim that, you know, are, are activating the vagus nerve in this way through the actual sounds that come out 
from the notes, you know, from the words that we say that it's creating these very specific sounds that are stimulating us in this physical way. There's also something about the nagunim that is inherently spiritual, like the, the content of the nagunim, the deeper meanings behind the nagunim. They're not just random words strung together. Even the actual uh, melodies, there's it's thought to be like a very, very, you know, there's a lot of depth in the melodies. If you ever follow any of these Hasidic nagunim and explore some of it, you'll see that there's a lot of movement going on. And one of the things that I always thought that was very fascinating, I don't remember when, where I learned this, but one of the things that makes Chabad Nagunim really unique as opposed to other types of Nagunim, because there are a lot of other Jewish Nagunim out there, not only Chabad Nagunim, but Chabad Nagunim always come down. There's always like a, a movement downwards. It might They might go up, but then they always return back down, which makes a lot of sense because Chabad is all about um, being grounded, being connected to physical reality. So it's never going to just leave you up there high. You know, some of the Nagunim might get very high, but then they're always going to come back down. Um, if you're not sure what I mean, go listen to some Chabad Nagunim after this, and maybe you'll get a sense of what I'm talking about. So I, why am I bringing all this up today? Because today we're actually going to talk about the idea of the Hebrew letters. And we're going to talk about how the Hebrew letters actually have these two aspects to them. The more physical aspect to them, which is this more like the sound that's made by the by the Hebrew letters. And this is what's known as the matter of the Hebrew letters. And then there's the form of the Hebrew letters, which is the more deeper essential component to these letters. It's like the pre-verbal aspect of the letters. And we're going to talk about how this really applies to Hashem creating the world, both uh, both our world and the world to come, which we know are created through letters, because we know that it's taught that the future world to come is created with the letter Yud, and our world is cr created through the letter He. And we're going to try to understand why that is and what the difference is between the two. And as we'll see, it really has to do with these two components of the form and matter of the letters. So again, if we wanted to go back to the nigunim, we could say that the form of the nigunim is kind of like this deeper, the deeper hidden meaning of the nigunim, the why it goes up, why it goes down, what the message is that's being tried to convey with it. And then the matter of the nigunim is the actual sound that comes out, the actual uh, sound that comes out from the vocal cords when we actually express these nigunim. And as we'll see, uh, to get technical about it, we'll see that the letter Yud is the letter that we associate with the form of the letters, this more deeper inner aspect of the letters. And the letter He is what we associate with the matter of the letters, the more external aspects of the letters. And we'll see that, you know, the letter Yud, one of the things that it's connected to is Chochmah, is what we translate to mean the wisdom of Hashem. It's kind of like this, uh, the first, it's the first of all the spheros, and we know that Hashem creates everything through Chochmah. And we're going to understand what this means, because when we say that the, um, that the Olam Haba, the world to come, was created through the letter Yud, uh, and we say that our world was created through the letter He, uh, how does this work exactly when we understand that Hashem creates everything through Chochmah, which is the letter Yud? So how is our world also coming from that place of Yud, even though it manifests as the letter He? So let's get into the text and see how the Altar Rabbah explains 
all of this. Um, he isn't going to talk about Nagunam. <laughs> it's just this was sort of like a springboard that I thought would be interesting to get into the discussion. But he is going to talk about this, the inner and outer aspects of uh, of the letters and how all that works in terms of form and matter and the creation of the worlds and all of that. Uh, I think it'd be good first to give a little bit of context um, before jumping right into it in terms of what we've been talking about in general lately in the Tanya to kind of put this all in perspective. So we've been trying to come to a deeper understanding of what it means that we can create God's name through our acts of tzedakah. And we talked about how what like when we think about God's name, we look at the name of God, the Tetragrammaton, which is made up of four levels, the Yud, the He, and the Vav, and the He. And yesterday, we began this discussion, we kicked off the discussion when we really started talking about speech in this kind of general sense. And we noted a very interesting phenomenon whereby speech, which is associated with the, with the level of Malchus, which is the low, lowest of all the 10 attributes, actually has a connection with the highest, which, which is Chochmah. Because we know that when we speak, when we say different words, we're not consciously thinking about the like external form that our mouths are taking when we say those words. We're thinking more about the meaning of the words. We're thinking more about like, I want to say this particular word. And then like the body follows, which kind of points to the fact that really the origin of speech is in this more intuitive space, the chokhmah as we call it, or the yud. So today we're going to take this discussion a little bit deeper when it comes to speech. And we're going to talk about how when it comes to speech, well, especially if we're talking about Hebrew speech or the Lashon HaKodesh, from which is the speech that God creates the world at all times, it happens by way of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And what we're going to talk about today is about how these letters actually have two aspects to them. There's the form of the Hebrew letters, and then there's the matter of the Hebrew letters. In Hebrew, we call it Chomer V'tzurah. Chomer is the matter, and then there's the Tzurah, the form. And we'll talk about the difference between these two things, these two aspects. And in the process of this discussion, we're really going to come to understand this expansive nature of speech and what that's all about and why speech and, and why our world in particular is associated particularly with the letter hey, which is this more expansive kind of letter. So the Ultra Rabbit begins today. And for context, we're beginning a new paragraph in Epistle 5 of Igeris HaKodesh. And the Alter Rebbe talks about how the letters are, there are two aspects to the letters. There's just like I said, so there's the aspect of the matter of the letters, and then there's the aspect of the form of the letters. And another way to understand these two aspects of the letters is there's the, is there's the, the inner aspect of the letter, and then there's the external aspects of the letter. So the inner aspect of the letter can be thought of as the form of the letter, or maybe like the soul of the letter, if you want to kind of think about that. And the outer aspect of the letter is what's known as the matter of the letter. It can be thought of as the body of the letter. For each one of the letters, it has these two aspects. And so now, even though, as we were talking about yesterday, we kept talking about this idea of chokhmah. We kept talking about this idea that like the origin of speech is in chokhmah. So even though the origin, yes, in a certain sense, the origin of these letters comes from the primordial space of the soul. And in fact, higher than chokhmah in the will of the soul. 
This is when we're referring to the form of the letters and the different ways that we pronounce these 22 letters, like the actual like manifest like speech. That's, you know, like, like, like we talked about yesterday, all the things we talked about yesterday. But then there's another aspect of the letters and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And this is the aspect of the, the body of the letters, the, the matter of the letters. And this is that more mechanical kind of process that we kind of kind of glossed over a little bit yesterday, but we're going to talk about it more today. That's the actual movement of my lips, of my throat, of all of these things, the actual mechanical processes that allow the speech to happen. And the origin of all of those things, the origin of the mechanics of speech really comes from the breath that comes from the heart. And out of that comes this like very primordial, this like very simple sound that issues from the throat. And this sound that issues from the throat is divided into 22 different types of enunciations and different types of pronunciations of the 22 letters in through the five organs of speech. So for example, the ultra rapid gives an example of like the five organs, organs of speech. So there's the throat. The throat is one organ of speech. What are the, and, and for each one of the five organs of speech, there's different letters associated with each one. So for the throat, there are five letters that are, that are articulated through the throat. There's the aleph, right? Because when we say ah, ah, that's the sound that the aleph makes. That, think about that. That's in your throat. You can say that with me. Ah, then there's the chet. Chet. That's also that's in the throat, right? A lot of non-Jewish people don't know how to say that. Ha. The ha sounds that comes from your throat. So if anybody doesn't know how to say that, you can practice it through your throat, through but I'm constricting your throat in that way. Ha. Then there's the hey sound. So that would be ha. It's also the throat. And there's the ayin, which is a, uh, or like uh, it sounds kind of like the olive. A spartum can kind of make it a little sounds a little bit more. I'm not so good at that, but it has a slightly different sound than the olive, but they all come from the throat. Then another example is that there's the palate. The palate, what are the letters of the palate? The palate is the gimel, the yud, the kuf, and the kuf. So think about those. Think about, say those letters slowly and like the sounds with it, gimel, guh. So you're using your palate for that. Yud, you're using your palate. Ya, kuh for uh for cuff and kuf also kuh. so that's all your palate you're using it so we're really looking at the mechanical aspects of of the pronunciation of these letters and while and so this happens by way of like the sound being broken down through these different verbal articula organs of verbal articulations however the simple sound itself of that breath of the letter hey this this letter is called the light letter, the Atta Kalila Hule, it's called. So this letter is the source of the of the matter and the body of the letters before they are divided up into the twenty two letters. So it's so so it's really this um this letter hey that's the origin of the matter of the letter. So like yesterday we talked about the yud, we talked about the chokhmah more. That we can say in a simple terms is the yud is like the origin of the form of the letters, and the hey is the origin of the matter of the letters. And now we can understand a little bit what it is this teaching that we find in the sages that this world was created through the letter hey. So that's the end of the section for today, and we'll continue along these lines tomorrow uh, when we continue to talk about this letter hey, and we actually bring up a question regarding this whole discussion. So stay tuned for that, and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. 
This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzchak ben Benyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.